it's weird. It's, it's great weather. And uh, just kidding, it's not. But uh, thankful for those that Lord gave safety to come in tonight. And it's good to see uh, see those out tonight. All right. Nehemiah chapter number 3. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15 tonight. And if you would look at verse number 1, and then Eliashib, actually, go back to verse 20 of chapter 2. There's just the verse up there. Uh, we're allowed to do that. I mean, chapter divisions, they're not, you know, they're not inspired. Very helpful, very helpful. But, uh, so... We can mess things up if we want to on this. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Wherefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Meah. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. And next to them builded Zechor, the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the sons of uh, Hassaniah build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Koz. And next unto them repaired Meshulam, the son of Berkiah, the son of Mahezabel. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Bana. And next unto them the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah. Uh, they laid the beams thereof and the doors I'm sorry, and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired uh, Melatiah the Gibeonite, and Jaden the uh, Moronathite, the men of Gibeon, and, the, and Mizpah, unto the throne of the governor on this side of the river. Next to him repaired Uziel, the son of uh, Heriah of the goldsmiths. Next unto him also repaired Hananiah, the son of one of the apothecaries. And they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. And I'm going to stop there. And we're not going to go through all of the gates tonight. But I want to look at this tonight. The gates, the gates here of the wall that Nehemiah has had a burden to rebuild. And we're going to look at this. Father, would you bless your word tonight? Teach us by your Holy Spirit. Would you teach us? Would you illuminate your word tonight? And then as you illuminate your word and teach us, we ask your Holy Spirit to uh, to make that spiritual application personally that we all need and that we'd respond to you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell, tell Megiddo. Tell, you ever heard of Tel Aviv? Tell means a hill. So Tel Aviv is the hill of Aviv, right? And uh, Tel Megiddo is that hill that overlooks the valley of Jezreel. And it's a beautiful spot. You can see as far as you, all, all the way around, you can see, you can see the, the uh, Carmel and Mountains of Moriah, or Carmel, I'm sorry, and over to the north, you can see uh, Nazareth, where Jesus grew up as a boy, and uh, Jesus at Nazareth would have overlooked all of that Valley of Jezreel, which we know as, as the Valley of Jezreel, as, the, as uh, Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo. And so right at Tel Megiddo is an ancient city nearly as old as, as uh, humanity is. And it, it overlooks this valley of Jezreel. When I walked into, when I walked into Tel Megiddo, we were walking into the, through the gates into the old city. It's the original rocks. It's the original city walls that are still there. It's incredible. And as we walked through those gates, the guide said, Elijah walked through here. And you go, whoa. That's old. We look at history here in the United States of America, and we get excited at 150 years, 200 years. In Missouri, Missouri is a young state. It's a, it's a baby state. So you get a home 200 years old, pretty rare. In this part, I mean, up St. Louis, okay, you're going to get that. Not out here, right? We're talking thousands of years. We're talking 3,000 or so years ago when Elijah would have walked through those 
And here we are walking through the gates into Megiddo. We're, we're entering a, a portion of scripture tonight that on the surface can seem kind of boring. It's kind of like delving into Leviticus or Numbers. I kind of like Numbers. It's fun. Chronicles. It's interesting. Once you get the name straight, it gets real fun because you start connecting, all right? But we're, we're entering a portion of Scripture that is a little on the mundane side. It seems a little boring on the surface. It kind of just looks like a journal from a job site, a construction site. What did you do today? Well, well, Joe, I put him over on the sheetrock, and I put Bill over on setting trusses, and Jack over here, he was hanging windows over here on this. I mean, it just, like, it just looks like a recording of a job site and, uh, of what was going on. But as God likes to do, there are types and pictures within all of the Word of God, and there are types and pictures in this passage as well that has some wonderful application to us into our lives today if we would, if we would catch it. Okay, it's, it's, not, it's not something deep that you've got to go like, ooh, you know, Da Vinci Code stuff here. That's a farce, all that garbage, right? Yeah. We're not talking about uh, numerology. We, you know, that's not biblical. We're not talking about that stuff. I know people get really excited about this number means that and this. I mean, it's, okay, um, you, you can really come to real problems going down that way. But here we do have some types and pictures, okay? We have some typology here. The gates within the walls of a city were of great importance. I mean, the first logical thing is if you built walls with no gates, you got a great wall, but I don't know how you're going to get out and come in. So watch this. You have to have a breach in the, in the safety of the wall so you can get in it and get out of it, right? You've got to have a breach. So when, once you have a breach in the wall, though, you've got to secure that some way that can be secured and unsecured at your choosing. And so, of course, we know this. We don't have to delve deeply into this, right? We make gates, right? Not only did they allow the occupants to go, come and to go, they were also, in, in, in the ancient times, in, his, in Israel's times, they, they were the center of legal proceedings. Remember in the Bible where it says, Lot, he finally found his way to Sodom and Gomorrah, and it says he sat in the gate. That, mean, that means... That he, had a, that he had a position within the government of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? He'd, he'd gotten deep, deep into the system. He was in, in the gate there doing proceedings. When Boaz wanted to uh, purchase all of the p- uh, possession of, of Elimelech and Naomi, including uh, the daughter-in-law, Ruth, he went to the gates and to the elders of the men, and he brought all of the elders together, all of the ruling party together, and he made that contract there. It is where legal proceedings took place. It's within the gates that the men who sat in the gate there, they carried out all sorts of legal activities. So gates were serious. They were a serious aspect of everyday life. They were a serious aspect not only a needed thing for protection, not only needed so you could get out and come into the city, but, but, but they were a serious aspect of just day-to-day living, right? It's like, listen, having a city without a city hall, having a town without, without aldermen and a mayor, it makes it tough, okay? It makes it a problem. Remember in Exodus, Moses stood in the gate, he had some responsibility there. Daniel sat in the gate of King Nebuchadnezzar as ruler over the whole province of Babylon. Daniel sat in the gate. The elders of the city, as I said, would sit in the gates to give judgment. Kings would sit in the gate. I was just reading a few days ago when, um, when, um, when Ahab was uh, wanting to go up to, I, th- I believe, go and invade Syria. And he talked uh, Jehoshaphat into, into this whole ruse to go and help him. And they were sitting in the gate. And while, while he, they got all, you know, Jehoshaphat was a godly man, got tied up and tangled up with Ahab. And, and, and Jehoshaphat says, is there not a man of God that we can kind of make sure that the Lord wants us to do this? And he said, sure. So here comes out all of his prophets, right? And they're, they're you know, making uh, horns of iron. And you're going to push the Syrians and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And I love this because Jehoshaphat goes, is there anybody else 
like, you know, you know, sometimes your spirit's like, I, I don't know if they get it. I, I don't know if this is of God or not. And what did Ahab said? Yeah, there's one, there's Micaiah, but I hate him. I love that. I hate him because he, he, he never prophesies good against me. And so while they sent men to go get Micaiah, what did he do? The Bible says they put their kingly vestures on, their robes on, and they sat in the gate waiting for this. They were, they were pronouncing their authority and uh, what was going on there in the city. But also gates were the marketplaces where many times shops would be set up and people would come in from the city and from outside of the city to do their shopping and get their daily needs. What am I saying here today? Gates were a very serious, integral part of day-to-day life in the ancient world, right? They are where, let, let me say it this way. I wrote this down specifically. Gates are where life took place. The gates are where life happened. Very big part. Like the town square in days of old. We're having problems back there. You got it? Okay. You don't, I shouldn't even say anything because I, the, the sound system's giving us problems, but. It'll be all right. Yeah. Gates are where life, gates are where life took place. Know this also about gates before we get moving in here and delve into this. Gates are weak. No, you can have really strong gates, but they're always weaker than the wall. Rarely is the gate strong. Some of these walls in some of these cities, you're talking eight feet wide. Right? The walls of Jerusalem, you could run two chariots abreast across the top of the wall, they would say. That's why in the Old Testament it said, so-and-so lived in the wall. They would actually build homes within the two sides of the wall. Some, some homes would actually be in the, the wall. I mean, we think, what, what are you, like a rat living in a wall? I mean, that doesn't make any sense to us. Our walls are, you know, they get smaller and smaller the more modern the home gets. It's like, you know... Is there anything to that thing anymore? You know, no, they, they, these were huge walls. So the gates were weaker. They were the weakest aspect of the wall. Sometimes they're built out of wood as time progressed. They might have been built out of iron. But watch this. Because of this, they gave an easy access point to the enemy. If the gates are gone, nobody can be put out. What would they like to do with the enemy do? Come and burn the gates. This is what Nehemiah showed up to. Remember that? He said the, birds had, the gates had all been burnt with fire. What, what, what is that telling us? I don't care how good your wall is. If the door is wide open, friend, they're coming in. Right? You can have, like our house, cement walls. Right? By the time you get all the cement and the, the insulation and the sheetrock and the siding, you got a foot thick wall. But you know what happens? You know what you find out when the door is open? Snakes come in. Mice come in. The dog still gets in. Spiders come in. Right? I mean, I, that's a big wall. They're not getting through the walls, but yeah, the door's open. They're coming through the door. Yeah. I let the dog out the other morning. I'm sitting back in my chair reading my Bible, and here he comes trotting in right next to me. I'm like, I just put you out. Where'd you come from? Well, the gate wasn't latched. <laughs> and he pushed it right open. And came right in and sat down like he belonged there, right? And uh, they're, they're weak. They are weak. If they're open, nobody can be kept out. But watch this, though. Just because the gates are the weak points in the wall, it doesn't mean they can be ignored and they have no value. See, watch. There are gates in our life, and we're going to look at these. But sadly, many people ignore the gate. They think, oh, that... You, you guys are just so over-worried about everything. It's not a big deal. Listen, if God put a gate there, it's a big deal. Hold on. The, the, the creator of the universe, the God who is omniscient, who knows everything from beginning to end, and knows, I mean, all that there is to know, if he put a gate there, it's far more important than you and I think it is. Don't minimize the gates that God puts in our life. We're going to look at these here in a little bit as we go on. They cannot be ignored just because they're weak. See, actually, the opposite is true. Stronger is not always more valuable. Let me say this. Stronger is not always more valuable. A a, a chunk of steel is much stronger than a fine porcelain tea set. 
But I'm telling you what, although that chunk of iron could smash to smithereens all of that tea set, if it's a real nice one, it's far more expensive than that chunk of iron. You're right? Strength does not determine value. And just because the gates are weaker or, than the wall, it doesn't mean they're less valuable. Actually, they're more valuable than the wall when, once you get the wall up, right? Now, if you just had gates in a field, that'd be kind of weird too, right? You need it all, all right? <laughs> it, it all has to go together. And so, but from time to time, obviously, gates need attention, right? Your doors, sometimes you, you have your oil hinges. You have hinges that you go back and put oil on them. O-I-L, if you don't understand what I'm saying, O-I-L, oil. And, <laughs> and uh, you got to oil them. Sometimes you get a window that's broke. You got to fix it, right? Sometimes... Right? They just wear out. They get rotten. You ever get a rot on an old wood door and they start rotting away and you realize, boy, we've got to replace that. They need attention from time to time. I was just telling somebody the other day, I think uh, the kids were over, I said something about I locked my sister out of the house. It was wintertime and she was out playing. And out in the porch she entered a little coat and hat and playing away. And I looked out there and went, click, and locked the door on her. It had the glass. It was an old, old door, old house, glass panes. And she came right up to that door and went poosh, right through the glass and unlocked the door and walked right in. That's my sister, Jen. That's how she operates. And I got in trouble. I got in trouble. I was like, she broke the... No, you locked the door. Well, anyway, so you know what? That, that, while my dad was fixing the glass and giving that door attention, if he had left the glass out of it, it would have been really bad. Right? It would have been almost pointless because as my sister unlocked the door, anybody could have done that. So it needed attention, and gates need attention from time to time. They get damaged, and all sorts of things happen. And so it makes sense when Nehemiah returns here to, to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, it makes sense. What, he's going to start with the gates. He is starting with the gates. Why? Because they have significance. Now, as we go through these, remember this. They have significance in our life. Gates have significance in our life and they either need to be tended to at times sometimes they need to be rebuilt sometimes sometimes they just need to be shut <laughs> at the right time so we're going to look at this uh, tonight remember second second timothy three sixteen. the bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for correction for instruction and in righteousness that the man of god may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works right so all of the word of god all of the scripture the bible says uh, is profitable it's profitable now Obviously, there's a literal aspect of these gates that we don't look at today, right? Because we're not living in Jerusalem and we are not uh, living behind a wall building physical gates. But there is instruction in righteousness here. All scripture, right? Instruction in righteousness. And, you know, in our life, we are endeavoring to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. God has promised, the Father has promised to make us like the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are growing in righteousness. And let's hope this passage here helps us tonight as we grow in righteousness. God uses types and pictures. Remember the ark is a type and a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, Noah's ark, who brought those, those eight uh, souls that were hid away in that ark. They rose up above the water and rode through the storm to safety and eventually uh, when the storm was over to dry land. That ark is a type and a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The tabernacle is a type and a picture of an earthly body. And some would go on to say it would uh, an even uh, further uh, typology of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, I would say definitely is a type and a picture of the body, those three layers of skin on the outside, the, the skeletal uh, bones on the inside of the wood, and then that finer material as you get in, you have the insides of the, of the veil, of, the, of the, the, the tapestries on the inside and the veil, and then the, that curtain between the holy place and the holy of holies as you get into the heart of it. It's a body. It's beautiful. It's so, it's fascinating. Types and pictures. The rock smitten one time. What was that? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is smitten once, right? And Moses messed up when he back, went back the second time. And God said, speak to it. Don't you hit that thing. Speak to it. 
He got all mad, said a bunch of stiff-necked rebels, got irritated, struck the rock twice. <laughs> well, friend, Jesus isn't smitten twice, and the second time, yeah, I mean, you don't do twice on top of twice. You know, that's, that's really bad. So bad he didn't even go into the promised land. It was a bad deal. Types and pictures. And this is what we're going to see tonight in the gates, types and pictures. So let's look at these gates, will we? Look at, look at verse 1. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they builded the sheep gate. The very first gate that is mentioned here is the sheep gate. And I think it's interesting how God uses people in labor in the church. He puts the right people in the right place. Every one of us, we have different gifts and abilities, and God places us where we need. And have you noticed this? It's kind of interesting to me that the high priest rose up with all of the other priests to build the sheep gate. Because it's the high priest who would sacrifice the sheep, who would slit the throat and, and offer that blood sacrifice. And it was the priest who came and said, hey, we'll rebuild this gate. This, like, this is like, we get this gate. This is ours. We'll rebuild it. And they did. What is the spiritual significance of the sheep gate? Well, this is the salvation gate. You notice this is the first one they start with in the list here in Nehemiah. It starts with this gate. It's the starting point of everything. Everyone's walk with Christ begins with Christ crucified. It begins with the blood of a lamb. It, no, you come no other way into the city. You come no other way into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting because this, this, this uh, gate is going to be mentioned again at the very end of these gates as in at the end of the chapter and it's going to go in full circle here back to the B. What it started with, it's going to go back to what it ended with. Kind of like, I don't know, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I love that. It's so neat. And so, uh, here it is, the, the, the sheep gate, the, the very first one, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It all starts there. But if you look at verse 3, we go from the sheep gate to the fish gate. And look at this. But the fish gate did the sons of Hesaniah build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof the fish gate this was the gate where the fishermen out of galilee would sell their catch of the day and maybe there could have been some fishermen come up from the mediterranean uh you know come on up inland maybe that way but i i from uh, a lot of the accounts i read a lot of them out of galilee would have come up up that way it's a little bit of a trip to come there but you had to sell your fish somewhere right they'd come up and they'd sell their fish there at the fish gate. That's where all the transactions took place of the catch of the day was at the fish gate. In Matthew 4.19, what did Jesus say? He said to his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Right. The first gate, the sheep gate, that, that's, that's the first that's, that's the first gate. It's how you get in. It's by the blood of the Lamb. But the second gate, the fisherman, the fish gate, is the evangelism gate. It's the fishing gate. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. It's a natural progression in our Christian life, right? I mean, how many after you got saved just had to tell somebody? How many after you came to Christ, you just had to, you, you had to uh, just, just uh, drive your coworker crazy or drive your family crazy or somebody? You just had to tell them. Maybe you had a friend, you had to pick up the phone and say, hey, I want to tell you what happened to me. You're not going to believe this, but I found Jesus and I, and I got saved and I want to tell you about it. And you might have been a... It might have been a, well, that's wonderful for you. I'm happy for you. That's weird, right? You had all sorts of, you know, maybe, hey, maybe uh, there are different reactions that way. But the, the, I, 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 see, I see in this, there's a typology, there's a little bit of a significance here of the evangelism gate, right? It's natural when something good happens, you want to tell somebody. Just reading the other day about the lepers. Remember those lepers that went into the city, Right? Right? And they said, well, the, you know, there's a famine. The Assyrians were there. And they said, well, uh, you know, we'll either die here being a leper or we can go in there and die. We might as well go try and get some food. God had moved in. They had all fled. And they went in there and they're just eating away. It's like, this is great. The camps, I mean, probably several thousand that are gone and tents all over the place. And they're gorging, right, in the middle of a famine. And they said, this isn't good. 
we need to go tell somebody, <laughs> right? Well, I'm telling you, friend, when something that good happens, when the God of the universe moves into you, I don't know, man, sometimes you just got to tell somebody, right? When your sins have been, hey, come on, when your sins have been forgiven and you know that for, for, from past, present, and future, they're all gone, they're wiped clean, they don't show up on God's radar anymore. I don't know, it's kind of not, you kind of want to tell somebody, right? Fishing for men. Isn't it interesting that he told Peter, he told those disciples, you know, I'll make you fishers of men, right? You know what they were going to be? Shepherds. Shepherds. Fishermen. He made fishermen shepherds. But listen, you know what? Shepherds are still doing the job of fishing, right? Right. Uh, you know, they don't jump in the boat, do they? You got to go out and get them. You got to go catch them, right? Jesus said if we had followed him, he'd make us fishers of men, and it stands to reason that the lack of people being brought into, a, into the church, I'm not talking about visitors, I'm talking about saved, people getting saved and coming in and being baptized, the lack of that maybe is the evidence that we're not, we're not hanging out at the fish gate very much. Oh no, we're at the sheep gate. Hallelujah, we love that one. But something happened between gate one and gate two. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? We're talking about, wait, listen to me. We're talking about gates that are kind of burned down and gone, right? You're following, you're tracking. I know you are. Look at this next gate. Look at verse 6. And he goes on to say, uh, verse 6, Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, uh, Meshulam, the son of Besoiada. They laid the beams thereof and set the doors thereof and the locks thereof. And the bars thereof. So following the sheep gate and then following the fish gate, we come to the old gate. Now, Nehemiah is the only book in the Bible where it's called the old gate. And it may have been one of the original gates that was made. Maybe that's why they called it the old gate. But that is what it said here. It's the old gate. What is the significance of the old gate? We have the sheep gate where you come in. You have the fish gate of evangelism. What does it mean? What is it talking about the old gate? You know, when a new believer comes to Christ and they begin telling people and evangelizing people and telling people about the Lord Jesus, right? It's all a part of their life. But watch, here they come and they, as they get into the Word of God and they begin to learn the Word of God, you know what they realize? They realize these doctrines are much older than they are. No, no, there's some things that we believe that are old, right? Remember what, uh, what over in James, uh, I, I believe it was over, uh, no, the, uh, or Jude, where, 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 yeah, I think it was Jude. The faith once delivered to the saints. The faith, we have a faith once delivered. It's been settled. Hey, we have an old Bible. The, the Bible says, thy word forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. L- listen, this is, it, we're talking about the old gate right here. And what we come to understand as we get into the word of God, the, 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 we're talking about the word of an everlasting God, of an eternal God, the words that have always been and always will be. There's some old stuff here, right? For you and I, just logically, here we are, uh, practically, here we are in the year 2023, and what do we find out? <clears throat> I mean, we have a Bible that is very old, very old. Hey, be always, always be sus- suspect if somebody comes up with something new that nobody's learned before. This book's been, been around a long time. It has been gone through and dissected and studied for a long time. If somebody ever comes along and says, no, I know you've never heard this before, I'd be leery, right? I'd be leery. Over in Jeremiah 6, 16, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way and see and ask for the old paths. Ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. You know what God said? Go back before where things used to be right with me, go find those paths and go walk in them, right? Go find the old paths. Boy, that's a good admonition today, isn't it? I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that, that Christians have ceased doing in their life that they need to go back to an old path and start it again and go back to it. Right? There's a lot of Demases that have loved, that are lo- in love with this present world and have de- departed unto 
Thessalonica or wherever you might, you might want to say it is in the world today. They have departed and they've gone. You know what God says here in Jeremiah told Israel, go back and find the old way. And look what he says is in the old path. He said, go find it, go walk in it, right? And he says, when you do that, know what you're going to find? Rest for your soul. What is your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. You know why people are just are grumpy? You know why Christians just don't enjoy life? You know why they're just bitter and not even fun to be around? You know why I see them, they come in here and they're just moping and long faces. You see them all over the place. And You know why? Because they're out of the will of God somewhere. They're not walking in an old path somewhere. Somebody, hey, somebody lied to them and said that doesn't matter as much. Just, you know, we have liberty. You don't want to follow a bunch of crazies, right? A bunch of, a bunch of uh, uh, Pharisees, a bunch of uh, uh, legalists. You know, you've got liberty. We're not under the law anymore. And before they know it, they have all of this freedom, but their joy's gone. Because the rest is gone. Rest how many lay down at night and you lay in bed? It's like, oh, I've been waiting for this. Yeah. I think it was last year sometime. Got in bed. Sherry got in bed. She goes, I've been waiting all day to get back to this. It's like, what? It's rest. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know where it's found? You know where you go? You go to the old gate. Go to the old book. Hey, watch. It's not something new that we need to discover. It's something old that we need to uncover. It's not something new we need to discover. It's something old we need to uncover. Hey, let me tell you that tonight, and you, you know this in here. I'm glad you do. Maybe somebody watching or may watch later doesn't know this, but the church isn't broke. The church has been around far longer than you and I. It was started by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There is nothing wrong with the church of Jesus Christ. It's not broke. Don't try to get it away. Don't try to reinvent it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to come up with something new. Leave it alone and do with it how God said to do with it. It's not broke. Hey, this Bible, the King James Bible, is not out of date, friend. This Bible is, there's nothing wrong with it. It is written at a fifth grade level. You can understand it. I can understand it. Uh, like one young man told his father, I love this. He said, he told his, his dad was telling him that it was too hard to understand. And he said, dad, I got out of school with a 1.9 GPA and I understand it. That's not a really good argument. <laughs> he didn't argue that anymore. That's a great argument. Yeah. Hey. There's nothing wrong with our Bible. It's an old book. Leave it alone. How many know that song, Get the New Look from the Old Book? Oh, it's a, man, I haven't heard that one in a long time. We'll have to bring that one out again sometime. It's an old book. Don't Listen, don't. Listen, soul winning. Soul winning is as old as God. This is a missionary book, friend. And God is a missionary who came to seek and to save that which was lost. Soul winning is not archaic. It, is, it still works. It's still commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, do you not think when Jesus said, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, did he not know that we were going to have gated communities? Did he not know that we're going to have ring doorbells at every doorbell so they're watching the video when you come up to the door? Did he not, hey, did he not know all of this was coming when he said what to do? Listen, just stick with the old thing, would you? Just stick with the old gate. Just stay there. It's okay. It works. It works. Holiness wasn't for the last generation, right? Let me ask you this. To all of these that have become so enlightened and so just free from their legalism and they're not bound by the chains of holiness, how are we doing anyway? Isn't it the same people that are just beside themselves of the condition of our nation and the condition of churches? And the condition of Christians, supposedly, it's like, well, I don't know. You threw out holiness. You threw out separation. You threw out a desire to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And now look what happens. It's not that hard to connect the dots. Right? It's kind, of, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the universe that God created with his laws. That every action has a greater or equal reaction. Cause and effect. You do not have an effect without a cause. And friend, America did not get to where it is. Churches have not gotten to where it are. Christians have not gotten to where they are today without a cause. Something caused it. 
You know, you know what a lot of times happens? We leave the old gate. We leave it. So many have checked out on affecting this generation. They've just checked out. Oh, it's too late. Nothing I can do. Nothing I can do about it. Can I tell you the next generation needs to hear from you? Absolutely. You can get away with more, saying more than a young person can. They just pat you on the head and go, oh, they're poor senile, they're poor thing. Hey, take it, do it. Hey, whatever works, be like, you know, they want to call you that, great. But speak truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're not going to learn Bible doctrine from the radio preacher. Half of them aren't any good anymore anyway. They're not going to learn it from the televangelists. They're definitely not going to learn it from the Calvinists. They're not going to learn it from all of these other isms out there. They're not going to learn it. They need to learn it from you. They need to learn the old doctrines. They need to learn the Word of God. Right? They're not going to learn doctrine from Chuck Swindoll or Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer or Creflo Dollar or Kenneth Hagin. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The elder men and the elder women are to be teaching the younger ones as they come up. What are we talking about? The old gate. We need Bible doctrine. We need to be students of the Word of God. The sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate. We're going in a progression here. Verse 13, look at the valley gate. The valley gate. The valley gate repaired Hanan. And the inhabitants of Zenoa, and built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall unto the dung gate. And we'll get to that. But the valley gate, Jerusalem, is elevated. It is above everywhere else in elevation. So in the Bible where it says they went up to Jerusalem, they, that's a literal inference of literally going from a lower area to a higher elevation. You, from everywhere around, you go up to Jerusalem. Okay? And so it's elevated. So logically, there's several valleys that surround Jerusalem. And here at the valley gate, it is the valley gate that opens up to the valley of Hinnom. H-I-N-N-O-M. Hinnom. Hinnom. So what's the significance of this? Well, you see, when a man or a woman or a boy or a girl gets saved... They get on fire for God. They begin telling their friends about the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they get their doctrine squared away at the old gate. right? They get, they, get, they get right doctrine. They get everything squared away. And you know what happens you'll see in your life is God will begin to bring you through some valleys. Valleys. I, lo- I love how God waits for a little while. The honeymoon period is pretty, pretty necessary. Well, I tell you what, if you got saved in day one and day two, the valley came, it might, it, it'd be hard to recover sometimes. Just like when God didn't want Israel going up that certain way at the King's Highway up into, up into Canaan because they couldn't have overcome that enemy so fast. They'd have gotten uh, discouraged and went back to Egypt too quickly. And he brought them a different way. Brought them a way to show them himself. He really brought them through 40 years. Well, it was their own fault those 40 years. But he brought them through the wilderness. He brought them through... After the, 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 they got to see all the plagues, they went under the blood, they were baptized through the Red Sea, and then Valley. They got to see Sinai, that was pretty cool, right? Ten Commandments, Valley. Valleys. You're going to go through valleys. valleys. Listen, God allows valleys for a purpose. They're not to hurt you. They're to help you. They're not to destroy you. They're to build you up. Because God has a greater plan for you down the future. You're saying at my age, what I've been going through lately is for something else. I don't think I'll live long enough to see the something else. (laughs) You will. You will. Oswald Chambers said, After every time of exaltation, we are brought down with a sudden rush into things as they really are. 
boy, maybe you come off your prayer time, maybe you come off a, a just a wonderful time in the Bible or everything, just applications jumping off the page all over the place. Maybe it's a great Sunday. Maybe you got to lead somebody to the Lord. And I mean, you're on cloud nine. And it's just a wonderful time, right? And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're, you're where things really are, where life is really lived. Yeah. He says, where it is neither beautiful, poetic, or thrilling, the height of the mountaintop is measured by the dismal drudgery of the valley, but it is in the valley that we have to live for the glory of God. Yeah. Oh, it's easy to live for God on a mountain when the views are incredible, just breathtaking, when you're above it all, when there's nothing else above you but sky. Oh, it's an incredible, neat thing. But in the valley, it's where flowers grow. It's where the grass grows. It's where the water runs. It's where the ponds and the waters fill up in the valleys. For a new Christian, the Lord allows this honeymoon period where He teaches you, where His presence is strong in your life. You've gone through the fish gate. You've gone uh, through through the... Uh, uh, the sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate, and here we are, we're at the valley gate. The trials are coming. You know, the Apostle Paul went to the, out into the Arabian desert for three years, and the Lord Jesus Christ took him aside and taught him, and the rest of his life looked like a valley. It was, it was a preparation for that, right? It's no strange occurrence at all. God makes sure that we have enough truth of himself before we forge into the valley. Can I tell you, every valley you go through, God has given you enough truth of, truth of himself to get through it. Yeah. So where, what, what goes on in the valley? Let me show you three things that happen in the valley. We learn humility. Humility. That's a necessary thing to learn. It's where we learn Trust. In a valley, we learn trust. We learn to trust God. In a valley, it's where, where we, we, we see it's a valley where our trials come. It's where our trials come. They come in the valley. Right? Remember what I, but remember what I said? Nothing, nothing of value really grows on a mountaintop. Very little, very little of value grows on the top of the mountain. As much as we disdain the valley... God knows we need them if we're ever going to produce fruit in our life. But would you notice what comes after the valley gate? Look at verse 14. But the dung gate, that's exactly what it says, D-U-N-G. The dung gate repaired Malchiah. I wonder how he got chosen for that one. The son of Rechab, the ruler of part of Beth Hakarim, he built it and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof. And the bars thereof. This would have been the gate from what any trash within the city, any garbage, any type of refuse, anything that needed to go out of the city would go through this dung gate. It would go through this gate. And watch, it would go down into the valley of Hinnom where it would be burned. That's where you get one of the words, the Hebrew words for hell. You have Hades, you have Sheol, and I believe Hinnom. But in Hinnom is where they would have burnt all of the trash. Now, isn't it true in our life that after we walk through a valley? Watch this. How often have you had, seen this in your life? You walk through a valley and then you begin to see all of the trash that's been built up in your life that now you get to deal with. <laughs> yeah. It's like the refining of gold. The valley is that refining of gold, that refining of silver uh, heated up and that dross comes out and the impurities come out and they'll scrape that off the top, right? This is what a valley does. We get into the valley and it begins to reveal uh, who we are. I mean, the, the trials come and, and it reveals who we are and the humility come and the learning to trust comes. But we get through that period, it seems like, and we end up at this gate with a bunch of trash in our life. That Now we see it. Now we see it. And now we have a choice to make. 
We're either going to clean it out of our life because the valley just, you know, put the pressure to, to see it now. We'll either get it out of our life and leave it there or we'll just stay there at that gate. Do you, want, do you notice at, at every gate here, we have an opportunity to, to deal with what's at the gate and move on or to stay there. But never, watch, never do you go from one gate to another gate. You're not crisscrossing. Yeah. So, sometimes, listen, sometimes in some gates, God, God isn't like our public education system where he just passes us. You will find in your life, you're going to, if you, you, you may find in your life at times when you, it seems like you're spinning your wheels, you're experiencing the same things over and over, the same trial over and over and over and over. You know why? Because you haven't learned it. And God is wanting you to learn it. He doesn't pass us on until we learn it. That's a, that's a praise the Lord. That's how much He loves you. He doesn't just say, ah. Watch this. With the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, He knows that every test we, at every point we can, we can come out of the victorious and learn what we need to learn. Otherwise, he, he, could you imagine God's like, oh, okay, you little dolt. It's okay. Just, just go. Man, you're dumb. He doesn't do that. Right? So here you are at this gate with all of this garbage in your life, right? That now you see it. Now you have, a, now you have something that you've got to do with it. You're either going to take it down to the valley of Hinnom and burn it, or you're going to just hang on to it for a while. Job said, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Maybe you're in a, Hey, listen, if you're in a valley tonight, would you, would you take the time to stop for a moment? I know what happens in valleys. We do this, ah, and we're in frantic stage. And we tend to watch, we, we're, we're, so, we're so worked up, we miss all sorts of stuff. Would you do this? If you're in a valley tonight, would you just take some time tonight when you go home and just say, Lord, what are you trying to get out of my life? Specifically, would you show me what it is? Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a bitterness. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a pattern of your life. Maybe there's speech that comes out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth. Oh, it's not vile and wicked, but maybe it's just, you know, just ways that we respond to things. Maybe it's how you respond to, to negative things and the anger immediately. Listen, fill in the blank. God, the Holy Spirit of God, He's got this. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a really, I feel bad even saying that. That almost seems crazy to say that. Yeah, he can, he'll show you. He'll show you. Whatever it is. Whatever he points out to you, deal with it. Deal with it. And watch this. When you get to the dung gate and you deal with the garbage that was made manifest in the valley, you come to verse 15. Oh, I gotta, we got to be done. We come to the fountain gate. <laughs> I love it. I love the order. Don't just, don't just peruse over your Bible. You'll miss stuff. Notice the order. I mean, the order is perfect. It's just so awesome. The fountain gate was located near the pool of Siloam. It was often used by the people for cleaning before they would proceed in the temple. But if you will notice that the fountain gate is located, if I had a, I'd love to have a map up here to show you uh, the wall and where all the gates were located. But if if you could notice this, you can go home and look it up. The fountain gate was located extremely close to the dung gate. I like that. In, in other words, after a valley experience where the garbage in our lives is cleared out at the dung gate, this is, watch, this is, a, this is a fountain gate, not just a water. It's called the fountain gate. You get the trash out of your life. You know what starts coming out of your life? Springs of living water. Because the trash has clogged it up for a while. Yeah, I talked about it earlier, right? You've seen them? Just the long face and the, the bitterness and the anger and the, just the grumpiness. There's something, listen, there is something clogging up the fountain. It's not, it's not what God intended us to be. Sin, sin clogs up the power of God in our life. Sin clogs it up. When we deal with it and get it out of our lives, hey, here, 
Here comes the fountains again. Here comes the work of the Holy Spirit again. Here comes that life again. Do your prayer, are your prayers stagnant? Is your, is your Bible reading stale? Have you lost boldness to, to witness? Are you, maybe you're not even getting victory over sin anymore. Listen, you, you're, you're clogged up right? and you need to deal with it. Right? You've come through the sheep gate. You're, you're saved. Come through the fish gate. Maybe you've been soul winning. Maybe there's some things at the old gate you've learned You've ascended down into that valley gate and God began to show you now. He's begun to show you some things in your life that need to be taken care of. And boy, you dealt with it. You dealt with it and now you're with joy at the fountain gate. Yeah. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is what Jesus said over in John seven thirty-eight. Notice a fountain is flowing. It's never stagnant. Is your life a refreshing testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it stagnant and stale? We're going to stop here tonight. I'm I'm going to stop here. We're halfway through, actually. Halfway through the gates. You know what gates also infer to the passerby? Closed. When the gate's shut, <laughs> I know, I'm getting real deep tonight. When the gate's shut, it says closed. Closed for business. Closed for anybody coming into the city. Closed to anybody outside who's not supposed to be inside. Closed to whoever or whatever and whatever is not supposed to be living in that city. Closed. So by building the gates here in Nehemiah, it means that they are able once again to close it and be let's watch and send a declaration a visual declaration to all of those around that area that we're back in charge here again right and we're closing this off to those that aren't supposed to be in here gates it's where the living takes place where life takes place. You know, sometimes we have some gates in our life. And, and you know, these, these, these 12 gates can be in our life cycles that we go through at times. Of course, not the sheep gate. But I misspoke a little bit earlier. And, of course, we can ping around at some of these. <laughs> but I think it's uncanny the, the process that God shows them here to us. But um, when we close gates off, right? when we shut them, when they're built up like they should be and we shut them, we are telling the enemy, we're telling Satan, you're not allowed here. The world, the flesh, the devil, we're telling them, you're not allowed here. I, I built this up. If there is no gate, right, it's kind of like, well, they don't want us not here, so we'll come. Yeah. I mean, out here in the country, you can paint purple on your trees and purple on your fence posts, which means no trespassing, and people get the idea, boy, if I go over there, depending on who owns this property, I might get shot. Right. Yeah. But if it doesn't say that, you know what they might do? It has no indication, no signs, no nothing. They may just wander around all over your property. You ever go up to a house that has gates? You go up, sometimes they're closed. But if you show up and they're open, you're like, I guess I'm going in. <laughs> right? Hey, friends. We need to keep some gates shut. We need to keep them shut. We need to keep the enemy out. Maybe, maybe tonight you're not having an easy time getting past the fish gate. You're just not a soul winner. It's just not on your heart. I'm telling you, it's got to be something on your heart, and God will put it on your heart if you want Him to. It's a heart thing. Maybe you're in a valley tonight, and you're just wishing for the light of day. Would you do this? Like I said earlier, just ask God to reveal what He's trying to reveal in this valley right now. No, what's in you personally, not in anybody else. Don't worry about anybody else around you. Well, I know what their problem is. This is what the Lord showed me. And yeah, and the telephone pole sticking out of your eye. 
Maybe you're, maybe tonight you're stuck at the old gate. Yeah. Haven't learned anything new. <laughs> old. <laughs> Haven't learned any old things new lately. Right. Yeah. Maybe your pastor, you're coming out of the corner, coming up. You're coming up over here at the at the dung gate. Maybe you got a lot of trash to get rid of. You see it. You've been in the Word of God, right? You've been down in the valley. You can see it. Oh, I've got to get this out of my life. You know what you do every time you are obeying God at every one of these gates? The Holy Spirit is, maybe tonight, I'm I'm sure maybe the Holy Spirit is pointing something out to you tonight. You're watching, maybe he's pointing out something to you tonight. You know what you do every, every time that you rebuild one of those gates? Every time that you, I'm sorry, every time that you obey God at one of these gates, you are building a gate or rebuilding a gate, whatever it may be. You're telling Satan closed. No, this is the personal aspect of the, the wall is almost like this universal wall, but each of these doors, this is like the, this is like the personal side of the church. You see, every one of us in here, every, every member of this church needs to watch their own gates. When everybody has the gates where they ought to be, you know what? We have a really safe church and a really secure church. I've said it before. You don't have a spirit-led church without spirit-led people. You don't have a spirit-filled church without spirit-filled people, right? (laughs) Because we're a body of people. So if Crimson Avenue Baptist Church is ever going to grow, if it's ever going to move forward, if it's ever going to affect the community, walls need to be built, absolutely, and we have those. And as we rebuild walls, we've got we to build some gates. Gates that have been, maybe that have been burned down. Maybe some gates that just need some minor attention. A little oil on the hinges. So it opens and closes a little better and a little easier. Got any gates that need to be rebuilt tonight? Do you have any gates that need to be built? Maybe you haven't got to them yet. You're hanging out at one of them that you need to do some work on and get fixed up so you can move on to the next one. I don't know where you are tonight. Lord will tell you. But can I tell you this? Begin tonight to rebuild those gates. Begin tonight to fortify those gates. Begin tonight to to strengthen whatever that gate is. And maybe somebody's watching here tonight. They've not even gone through the sheep gate. They're not even saved. Uh, Listen, um, you can't, you can't, not not any of these, none of this pertains to you until you go through that sheep gate. You need to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed there. And uh, you need to be born again, as Jesus said. So however God has spoken to you tonight, do the work that needs to be done. Nehemiah had the burden, didn't he? And he built the gate. He started with the gates. May God help us to do the same thing. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for these gates that you put in our life that protect us, that keep the good in and the bad out. Uh, thank you for the, the, the order and the process that you showed us here of these gates. It's so neat to see this. Only you could have put this together, Father. And we thank you for that. Now, Lord, would you do that work in our heart tonight? May we have some time of just, just honest introspection, just an open, an open, open heart to say, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Know my heart, right? Try me. Lord, would you do that tonight in Jesus' name? Amen. Stand if, with me if you would, please. The instrument's going to play. We have just a moment of an invitation. However, the Lord has spoken to you. Got any gates? As we went through these gates, did one of them just kind of stand out to you? Did one of them jump up and go, oh, here it is? That valley gate. That fish gate's really troubling me tonight. Maybe that's you. That fish gate's really. I'm telling you, I I, God, I just, I need to. I'm begging God for a heart for the lost, to have a heart and a, a desire to see the lost come to Christ. Maybe you're at the old gate. You've been perusing everything new and reading every book under the sun and you just need to get back to the Word of God and get grounded in truth. Whatever the Holy Spirit's pointed out to you tonight, 
you deal with that. good to see the throngs that are out tonight that is some great and to be careful on the way home it's still raining and blowing and and uh, so be careful and uh, we'll see you Saturday morning uh, men's prayer and visitation and uh, coming up soon probably next month we'll be back to a Thursday night visitation and uh, we're looking forward to that so um I think any special prayer requests that we have tonight. I know Barbara.